Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So I've studied the cross, I've come to the cross, I've accepted Jesus. Let me tell you something right now. We as believers, even if you've accepted the Lord, you need to be reminded of the cross and its power and what it did for you. You always need to have a steady, healthy, continual appreciation for what God, what Jesus did for you at the cross. Are you with me? You've got to remember that. How many of you today are wearing a cross? Is there anybody wearing a cross in the house today? Anybody? Anybody wearing a cross? There's one. There's one. There's some. There's a cross. What is your cross a symbol of? Well, it's a representation of sacrifice, redemption, forgiveness, hope, reconciliation, being right with God, having peace, knowing that you're destined for heaven. The cross symbolizes all these amazing things, but it also symbolizes the horrors of suffering the horrors that Jesus suffered through. We're, we're going to get into some of that today, but a moment is a certain point in time. Now, they throw this word around. Now, there's a few words that people throw around, and, and they kind of cycle through the English language. Y'all know how it is. You'll see in movies and stuff, they'll look at each other and they'll go, did we just have a moment? And I'm thinking they probably ruined the moment by asking that, right? Or the best friend goes, wait, did you just have a moment with him? And they're like, no, it wasn't. You just had a moment. Everybody has a moment. Some of you, man, you had a defining moment. You say, man, when I, when I met my spouse, I will forever remember that moment. I will. I met my wife. She showed up at our house October 31st, 2002. She came to visit my baby sister. She was tall and lovely and beautiful, and I saw her, and I had, I can't speak for her, but I had a moment. I said, I'm going to marry this woman. I'm going to come back and marry you, Right? Rawr. I'm going to marry her. I had a moment. And then after that, we had different moments. A moment when I asked her to marry me. And we had moments on our honeymoon. I believe we had moments on our anniversary trip that we just got back from. Some of you are like, man, my moment, my moment was when we gave birth to our first child. First child. We had a moment. There are many moments. I, we haven't had kids yet. We want children. We're believing God. But one of my moments was the night, I can still remember it. I can still remember jumping on the, the bed when dad woke me up in the middle of the night and said, you're about to have a baby brother or sister when Jonathan was being born. And I got up and jumped on the bed. I was so excited. I don't know how, how, older, how much older am I than you, Jonathan? Four and a half, five years? Maybe four and a half years. I was a little bitty dude, had a little chili bowl haircut, little silky hair, had little boots that I wore. I was a cute kid, but man, I was excited. It was a moment for me. And then when Elaine was born, and she looked different from me and John, but then she had similarities to us. I don't know if it was Jonathan that said, Mom, I know what that is. That's a Chinese baby. <laughs> because she has smaller eyes. And then we looked at her, I'm like, oh man, but she's somehow, she is just so treadwell, her cute little nose. And I was delighted, and we had a moment. It was a certain point in time that kind of defines you. Your moment, my moment. What about Jesus' moments on the cross? Or your moment at the cross? Maybe you remember. I, see, I remember when I first accepted Jesus. It was a, a home Bible study in California. Dad was leading and said, who wants to accept Jesus? Make him the Lord of their life. I think I was seven. And I'll never forget that moment. I said, 
me, man, me. And I went up and another lady answered the call and we, I grabbed hands with her and dad and we prayed at the Bible study. Real simple, but I know that was a moment. Some of you say, I remember when I accepted Jesus. And some of you say, I remember when I first met him or her or I had this moment or everything went right and it was this moment or it was the first day of school and it was a moment. But here's what I want you to do today. Number one, point one today, is think about the cross. And I want you to think about, think about the cross more often than you do. I want you to think about the cross. And I believe this scripture passage is really going to help you think about the cross today. Let's go to Isaiah 53. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's a classic. This was prophesied, I mean, at least 700 years before the birth of Jesus. This is powerful by Isaiah the prophet. So stay with me and you can see how descriptive it, uh, it is of, of what Jesus went through. Okay, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Some have said because he was a carpenter. Others have said because he was so scarred and marred on the cross. He was despised and rejected. We're told now and we've studied and we've learned about what Jesus went through. And it wasn't just a crucifixion. You see, back in the day, when you went through a crucifixion, many times that's all there was. When you were condemned to die, you may have gotten slapped around or beat up a little bit. Or they may have just dragged you to a cross and crucified you. You see, the Romans, it wasn't their idea. The Romans were exceedingly gifted at doing something. And that was stealing people's ideas and improving upon them or worsening them. The Romans were brilliant with that. They got this from the Persians. And I want to talk to you some more about the horrors of the cross because it was terrible what Jesus went through for you and for me. But his cross experience was interesting because he was brutally beaten. I would say to within inches of his life already. If you've seen The Passion of the Christ, if you have not, please watch it. It's very brutal. It's very bloody. Uh, Mel Gibson, the director of the movie, said... We do not believe that what we portrayed was even exactly how awful and how brutal it was for Jesus in that day, how bloody it was. He said we had to tone it down because it was just going to get, I mean, the ratings, they were going to be off the chart. It was going to be terrible. He said, but we believe we were able to portray it in a good way. It was bloody enough, but it was probably a lot bloodier than that. So he was brutally beaten. You know how you see in movies or you hear about murder scenes and stuff and there's a trail of blood or when someone gets injured, they're dropping blood. Can you imagine Jesus' trail of blood that day just when they took him to the cross? And then they said, here's our murder weapon. We're going to execute you. Now carry your cross. It's unconscionable to think that they did that. He's, he's beaten within inches of his life. I believe his ribs were exposed. He's dehydrated. His face is swollen. They've been punching and smacking him. A whole garrison of Roman soldiers have been pulling his beard and hitting his face. He's unrecognizable. They also have a crown of thorns on his head. And now he's dragged to a cross and said, carry this now. All because he's an innocent man and it was prophesied. All because it was prophesied. All because God looked through the quarters of time and said, I see you, Michelle. You're going to need a savior. I see you, Alice. You're going to need a savior. Your grandbaby's going to need a savior. Jason and Renzi. Sophia, Maria, you're going to need a savior. Matthew, Senna, I see you. You're going to be born in sins. Even though you're innocent, 
We're conceived in sin, Scripture says. It's in our genetics since the garden. And I believe that Jesus looked through the quarters of time and he saw all of you, Dora and Domingo and different people in here, Armando and Elena. And he said, you're going to need a Savior, so this is for you. And his trail of blood to the cross and the crown of thorns on his head that were jammed so tightly onto his head, that was all for you. And we haven't even discussed the cross yet. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest what? Grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. That's so, so parallel even now. Many people turn their backs. They don't want their moment with the cross. They have not had a moment with the cross yet. That's my job. That's your job, to introduce people to the cross and Jesus, what he did. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, our sins. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own what? His own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins, for my sin. If you want to be real about it, it was my sin. He was beaten so that we what? Could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. I'm going to read through this whole chapter. It's not a long chapter. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Your sins were placed on Jesus' back. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, 33 years of age. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people, your people, for me and for you. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a what? Like a criminal, he was put in a rich man's grave. Look at the accuracy of these predictions. It's been proven these were written down and predicted hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Can you believe that? For you and for me. Yet when his life is made what? An offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, look at this, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier, this is what God says, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. Have you ever been a rebel? Even if you, you announced it or not, there are those that they announce themselves as rebels in life, Right? I'm a rebel, I'm a maverick, I do things. But everybody's born a rebel. We try to do it our own way. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebellious people, for rebels, for you and for me. I really believe some folks, they never want to really think about the cross again, even once they've accepted Jesus. It's too bloody for them, it's too horrific. I believe there's many people in here who have accepted Jesus. You're truly a believer, but you said, man, I don't think about the cross much you should. And others don't believe that they ever need to think about the cross ever. So there's those who've been saved and don't think about it much and others who've never been saved and they're, they're avoiding it. The truth is we got to think about what Jesus did on the cross. It changed everything. The cross is the gateway to your eternity with Jesus, to your eternity with God. It is the gateway. Apart from the cross, you cannot get in. You can't make it to heaven. We've got to think about it. And we've got to remember the horror he experienced so we could share his glory. 
When criminals were placed on the cross, now we're talking about God in the flesh. He was all God, but he was all man. So he could experience pain. He was suffering bad. He was, he was drugged to that cross. You see on the Passion of the Christ, they laid him down. They nailed him to a cross. Historians still can't seem to agree whether he was nailed under, just under his thumb or if it was in the actual wrist. The Greek word for hands is just hands. There's not a word for wrist in the Greek. It's such a rich language, but it's interesting. So part of his hands would be his wrists, okay? So whoever wrote, wrote the scriptures and, and wrote about it, we know he was crucified. He was nailed through his, either his palm there or in his wrists. Now, it's especially brutal because there's no painkillers, right? Later on, we see that he was offered a painkiller when they offered him vinegar. There's, it was mixed with special things to, to take away the pain, and he didn't even take that. But we know there were no painkillers at the point when he was receiving these brutal nails. Six inches, nine inches. And the Passion of the Christ, they're very long, and they go all the way through him and through the cross, and they're bending those nails on the other side of the cross to hold him in place. Nails. Especially brutal. So his hands are stretched out. His bones are out of joint. That was also prophesied in the book of Psalms. He's stretched out. He's in his undergarments at least. It's very shameful. He's been brutally beaten for a crime he did not commit. He's perfect. He lived a life without sin. He never told a lie. And then his arms are stretched out. He's nailed to a cross. And then his feet are crossed as well. And they would put a nail through both feet and into the cross. Now once you're propped up in the air, you're hung there to die. History tells us that some people, they lasted on the cross three or four days. They were tough. No food, no water. They're out in the desert out there, out in the sun. It is a brutal, brutal way to die. But he is on this cross, and he's already been spent He's, poured his, he's begun to pour his blood out for you, for your healing, for your righteousness. And then he's crucified to the cross and all the, the, the things that were against us. Scripture says all the offenses, the offenses and the accusations that were written against us, they were nailed to that cross with him. Now the biology of it is this. He's on the cross and the way they would crucify folks back in the day is you had to st- step up to be able to breathe because you're hanging like this. And it's an especially brutal way to die. These people were ingenious and diabolical in creating the cross as a method of execution because you're hanging and you can't breathe, so you start to basically drown in your own blood. So over and over again, he would have to push up on those feet, those feet with a huge nail going through them. He'd push up on those feet to be able to breathe, and he could barely breathe. And that, I I assume, would give his wrists or his hands a little bit of rest. But then you're exhausted and you're hurting. And can you imagine the pain in your feet? You ever sprained an ankle? You ever broken a leg? I can't imagine while you're alive with no painkiller, a nail has been driven through your feet. And so now his feet are hurting because he had to push up to breathe. And now he's back down again on those feet in intense pain. And he's resting a little bit, though. Because now he can just kind of rest. He's taking the weight off the feet a little bit, but he still can't breathe well. You have to do this for as long as you're on the cross. You're standing up to breathe. But when you breathe, your, your feet are hurting. They're burning like fire. I can only imagine. They're dripping blood. You're wondering, is there any more blood in this body? So he's standing up to breathe, and he's slinking back down. 
to take the pressure off, but then he's choking again, so it's back and forth. Are you with me? It was an especially brutal way to die. Horrific, 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 and it was for you, and it was for me. You say, man, I don't know if I needed this. I've already accepted Jesus. Yeah, but when was the last time you thought about the cross? When was the last time you thought about this brutal, horrific cross, this terrible way that your Savior died? You said, man, he's my Savior. Yeah, but in becoming your Savior, is he your Lord? This is always a good reminder about what Jesus did for us. So number one today is think about the cross. Think about the cross. That's number one. It's horrific. Number two, repent. You say, man, I've already accepted Jesus. Yeah, but don't believers have to repent as well? 1 John chapter 1 was written to believers. It's an epistle to believers. And it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You may not practice sin as a believer. You hate it. You feel convicted about sin. But maybe you have some unconfessed sin. Maybe. But this is for those who have not repented. Either way, whether they're saved or not, repent. That's number two today. Remembering and understanding what Jesus did on the cross helps us to repent. I promise you. Every time I've thought of the cross, man, and God's spirit comes upon me and I begin to feel convicted, I say, Lord, I just want to live right. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good pastor and a good son and a good brother and someday a good dad. God, I want to be a man of God. Not just when I first accepted you and believed in you, God, I want to think about the cross now. I want to be right with you now. I want to always remember. I want my mind to be scarred with the memories of what Jesus did for me. Even when you get further on progressively in your Christian walk, I want you to always go back to the cross. And here's something for everybody in here. Just because you've accepted Jesus, and once you've accepted Jesus, doesn't mean you have a license to live how you used to live. We're going to get into that in a minute. That's what repentance is for. Repentance says, if I've really accepted what Jesus did for me on the cross, I'm going to repent and I'm going to mean it. You hear some people say this, man, I did a 360 when I came to God, and I'm thinking, I hope not, because a 360 means you went like this, and then you were back at the same place. I hope you did a 180, right, and turned away from your sin. People have told me that, and they're sincere. Man, I, I came to Jesus, I did a 360. I know what you mean, but hopefully you turned and went the other way. You repented and walked away from your sin. I can remember several, several defining moments that I've personally experienced with the cross over the years. There's several. I can count them on one hand probably. And I've, I've re-encountered God, and I feel like that's what you need today. You say, I'm not saying you're in sin. No, that's between you and your, your maker. That's between you and your God. Scripture says your God. He's a personal God. My God is your God, and your God is mine, but he's a personal God to you. And I believe we as believers, we need to re-encounter the cross. We need to re-encounter God. Why? Because we, we get in life and we get, we get mess thrown on us throughout the day, don't we? You get splattered with junk and people's stuff and life. We've got to re-encounter God and we've got to repent and be forgiven. Got to repent. Let's go to Acts 3.19. Acts 3.19. I love this. Look how simple this is. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Wiped away, just like that. Sins wiped away. Say, what is repenting? I believe true repentance is this. 
saying you're sorry and meaning it. Saying you're sorry and saying there's another way to this. I can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And hey, don't get me wrong, we all have weaknesses in here, don't we? Even as believers, sometimes we have chronic behaviors. <laughs> we do. We have things that we do, and that's our weakness. And you've got to take that to God. But hey, don't ever, don't ever get tired of repenting. Don't. Tell God you're sorry and mean it. That's what the cross is for. The cross is a reminder. I look at that cross, and I know that cross they crucified Jesus on was not that clean and not that perfect. And some people go, oh, no, the cross didn't look like that exactly. It was more in, in, in a capital T shape. You know what? It was a cross, and he hung on it. I don't care what it looked like. It was terrible, and he was lifted up high and suspended between heaven and earth. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know what blows me away about that? I think he was talking about me. I don't think he was just talking about the Romans. See, Scripture's parallel. And the words of God always mean more than just one thing. There's the truth, but it's parallel. And I believe when he spoke, I believe he said, man, someday Matthew is going to be born in a Christian home, but he's going to mess up and he's going to need this. Forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Forgive him. Yeah, he was talking about the Romans and the, the Hebrews and the ones that walked up and said, yeah, you said you're the son of God. Why don't you come down from the cross now? He said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Look at number three today. Change. Say, I can't change myself. I've tried. That's what the cross is for. That's what Jesus is for. Allow God to truly change you, even if you've already been saved. Sometimes it takes small decisions, doesn't it? Sometimes big decisions. But I've learned in marriage, there's areas in my life that God has worked on and changed over the years, and it's made me say, well, I am the man that Jen married, but I'm not quite the man that Jen married. I'm a little different. I had a good heart. I wanted to do right. I wanted to serve God. I was a man of God. But man, I had these areas where God needed to, to work on. And I want to encourage you today. You say, man, I've already been saved a while. I've known the Lord a while. I'm still struggling with that. Make small decisions. Take small steps today. Do, 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 how can you do different? Say, man, I'm still struggling with that. I'm, I'm pulled to that addiction. Get away from people that would pull you into that, number one. Number two, decide and ask God to help you. Make a strong decision, number three. Make a really strong decision. Ask God to help you, but make a decision. You can choose. Did you know a lot of the stuff... All the stuff we actually do, we choose. We say, I had no choice. Mm, your choices may have been limited, but you always have a choice. You always, you always have a choice. I'm reminded today, I got a, a news flash. There was an NFL player. He got fined, I don't know how many thousands of dollars. Look at this, he's trying to represent change. He's trying to do something simple. He has a headband that he wears. I don't even know the NFL player's name. And it says, man of God on it. Does that offend anybody in here? Of course, y'all are, are churchgoers. <laughs> but the NFL fined him for wearing that. What are we coming to? This guy says, I want to live out my change. I want to speak hope over myself. Man of God on his headband. Is that a big deal? No, you know, it's crazy, but he chose to do it. And who knows, I don't know the repercussions, but he chose. He chose to do that and take that stand. And I, I honor the stand that you're taking today at work, in your lives, in your marriages, in your homes, I honor the stand that you're taking for God as a woman of God, as a man of God. But you can usher in change in your life and the people around you. You can, and sometimes it's small. 
Sometimes it's just getting up a little bit earlier. Sometimes it's going to bed a little later. Say, man, I need to read the word. I need to pray. I need to do this. I need to do that. Sometimes it's just showing up, getting up a little earlier on a Sunday. You guys see it? Here you are on a Sunday. Why isn't this house full? We've had probably thousands of people come here over the years. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Many people that used to go to this church are still serving God, but many are not. Change. Do you really mean it? Did you really accept Jesus and make him more than your Savior, your Lord? Is he your Lord? You always need change, improvement, getting closer to God, big and small changes, adjustments, growth. I want anything and everything in my life that doesn't please God to drown and die in the blood of Jesus. I want it to just die a painful death or a quick death, whatever it takes. I don't want that junk in my life. Whatever it is that displeases God or his spirit. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Can we read that whole verse again? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? So number four today, hope again. You're free to hope again. You're free to hope. You said, man, well, I accepted Jesus and I, I've served God for a while and I feel like I'm, I got hopeless again. No, you can hope again when you're reminded of the cross. Sometimes life tries to steal our hope. Sometimes we let it. It does its best to just, oh man, there's been talks and speeches and things said about life. Sometimes try, tries to grind you into the dust and make you hopeless, make you depressed, make you question God's existence, make you question, no, no, he's there and he rewards those that diligently seek him. You have to find hope again through the cross. Somebody say, hope again. Say this out loud, everybody in this house. Say, I will hope again. Somebody say, I am hopeful. Say it again. Say it strong. I am hopeful. I will hope again. Say this again. I am hopeful. That's right. Because soon the future becomes the past, just like that. You know when you're driving and all of a sudden the thing that was in front of you is in your rearview mirror and you just got to keep going. Just got to keep going. I notice when I'm driving, I look up at that, see a sign or whatever, and pretty soon I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I've passed it. And I'm like, it came, it went. And you guys know how it is. You woke up one day, you were 20. Some of you are still really young in here. But I had this experience. I woke up one day and I was 20. And I woke up one day and I was over 40. And I said, how did this happen? Where did the years go? And when I was closer to 20, sad but true, I, wo- I looked in the mirror one morning and said, where's my hair going? Life, life happens to all of us, but you can hope again. You can be hopeful. You've accepted Jesus. I believe just about everybody in this room, if not everybody in this room, has accepted Jesus before. We're going to give everybody a chance in a minute. But man, sometimes life tries to steal our hope. Let's go to Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. Check this out. I pray that God, the source of hope, somebody say the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good news. Let's go to 1 Peter 1.21. Through Christ, you've come to trust in God. And you've placed your faith and hope in God because what? He raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Isn't that powerful? 
You're cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Is that hope, somebody? I think it is hope. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? Got a song for you to listen to today. I believe God's going to touch your heart through it. But is there anybody in this house today at the sound of my voice that says, you know what? I need to accept Jesus. I need to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. Is there anybody in this house? Can I see your hand? Anybody at all? God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody in here say, I want to be right with God? All right. Let's pray. Would you turn that up just a little bit? There you go. Let it fill the house. Beautiful. Thank you, Barry. Perfect. Everybody in this house, repeat this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, my Father, my God, I come to you and ask that you forgive me. Save me by the blood of Jesus. I believe Jesus. He is my Lord and my Savior. He died and he rose again. I believe that if I put my trust in him, I will see heaven. I will see him. I will live eternally. I thank you for forgiving me, God. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I hope in you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to open their eyes and look at me this morning. Real simple. Everybody in this house has accepted Jesus before based upon the call we just had, the hands that went up or didn't go up, I believe you've accepted Jesus. If you want to re-encounter the cross today and you want it to be real to you and what Jesus did for you, you want it to be more real to you than ever, you want a revelation of the cross, why don't you come to this altar this morning? Go ahead and come on up. I'm going to pray with you. Come to this altar and face me, okay? We're going to pray with you. It's going to be very simple. You can kneel if you want. You say, man, I want a revelation of the cross like never before. I want to re-encounter the cross. I want to feel fresh. I want to feel God's fresh fire, but I want to feel a fresh conviction for how I've lived or what I'm doing or what I've done. I want to feel a fresh sense of God's presence. No, you guys have such, such soft hearts. Such soft and genuine hearts. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Just cry out to God this morning. Cry out to God and say, God, give me a revelation of your cross. I need it. I want it. I can't live without it, God. I'm never going to just treat it as something common or simple or I've already experienced that or like an old shirt or like an old pair of shoes or an old hat. No, I'm going to experience God's cross, the cross of Jesus, so that I always stay sharp and fresh and convicted and walking right and always helping people to have their moment with God because I've had mine. Oh God, touch your people today. Touch your people today, God. Touch your people today, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
fresh revelation of the cross. Oh God, I'm not even going to lay hands on you today. You have your time with God. Face to face with the cross. worship you God we thank you God we need you God we cry out to you father we cry out to you God we cry out to you God we're not going to try and live with the world in our hearts and with you in our hearts God there is not room it's either the world or it's you and I see these people have chosen you father these people of God men and women of God they've chosen you God That we, would, that we would never try to put anything else in our hearts except for, except for you, God, and what you did on the cross, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you today. We worship you today, Father. We worship you today, God. Oh, we worship you, Father. Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, we thank you, Father. We thank you, God. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, my God. Oh, holy God, we just trust you today, Father. We place all our hope and our trust in you, God. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The cross of Jesus. Before I send you back to your seats, I want you to ask God to do something different in your hearts. In your hearts concerning the cross and concerning the blood that Jesus shed and concerning the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and his suffering and what that cross meant to God. Go ahead and ask him. Say, God, show me. God, speak to me. God, give me a new revelation of your cross. Give me a new revelation of it. Go ahead. Because as you get a new revelation of it, you'll be able to lead people and share your faith. That's an important part of the message of this series is you've had your moment and God's going to give you other moments but have the people around you had their moment at the cross? You've got to lead them. You've got to lead them. You've got to just share it. you just got to say it. And it may be simple. You say, man, I don't know exactly how. Just talk about it.
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We trust you today. I speak the blood of Jesus over this family of God here and the extended families and the families they represent, God. Your hand is on us. It is over us. You are with us. You are for us. You live within us now. We trust you. We've placed our hope in you, God, through Jesus. But Lord, now give us opportunities to share our faith. God, give us opportunities to have a moment with you and another moment with you as you speak to us and another moment with you, God, as we return to the cross and say, wow, God, I'm so appreciative for what you did. So appreciative of what you did for me at the cross through the bruising and the beating and the punishment and the torture and the shame and the pain and the horror, what you did for me, God. We love you and we thank you for it today, God. We give you glory in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. When you're ready, you can return to your seats today. Thank you so much for gentle and kind and receptive hearts.